This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 285, broadcasting live on Thursday, April 2nd, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Usually on Wednesday nights, we handle MMA and wrestling at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And on Thursdays, we handle gaming and entertainment. But given some scheduling issues this week, tonight's show is strictly a wrestling show, meaning you're going to get some commentary about WrestleMania. We're going to talk about Raw. We're going to talk about the news of the week. And, of course, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. But before we jump into the lion's den of professional wrestling. We are going to get into some housekeeping first. A couple of things I want to let you guys know about. A couple of projects we're working on. And a couple of other things that we have on the horizon. So, as many of you know, the last couple of weeks has been incredibly difficult over here at Rageworks and My Take Radio. Just because we've been dealing with a lot of different uh, internet issues on the back end. Um, plug-in conflicts, uh, traffic issues, you name it. We we've been dealing with it. So there has been a, a bit of a slowdown in content from us, but we are getting back in and hitting our stride. We're making continued improvements to RageWorks.net to give you guys the best experience possible. As many of you may have noticed, there's already slight improvements going on the back end of the site. And we have some other stuff in the works for you guys, which we hope to have finalized by next week. In addition to that, we are going to do a lot more video. We're going to get more aggressive on the video side of things. I know a lot of you guys really enjoy the video versions of the show, plus other content. We actually got some new equipment to start doing more product reviews, more product unboxings. As you may have seen, there was already a review that went up from Andrea for the STM sports armband for the iPhone 6. In addition to that, there is a review that will be going up for the Skull Candy Slayer headset, the SLYR headset for the Xbox One. I actually completed the review for that earlier today and actually recorded my first unboxing in quite some time. Uh, definitely was a little rusty. You can check that out on the official Rageworks YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official Rageworks. Once the review is completed, I think we are probably going to put together a giveaway 
to give away that Xbox One uh, Skull Candy Slayer headset. We just got to get a confirmation from Skull Candy before moving forward. But if it all works out, we will be giving that headset away next week. We also have a review coming up for the Monster UFC Octagon headphones, and we may do a giveaway with those as well. Uh, That review originally was on MyTakeRadio.com, but given that a lot of the stuff that got migrated over got lost, certain things have to be redone. But it gives us an opportunity to go and approach it with with a fresh set of eyes, give you guys a better review using all the tools at our disposal So be on the lookout for that as well. Um, A couple of individuals were asking about MTR behind the mic and MTR beyond the mic. Uh, I will be recording an MTR behind the mic interview uh, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, That will be exclusive as always to my take radio app owners first. So if you don't have the my take radio app, do yourselves a favor, drop a dollar 99. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee and pick it up for iOS, Android or Windows mobile devices. Of course, you get high-quality stereo episodes of the show, mobile wallpapers, and other exclusive content as well. Uh, somebody actually reached out earlier this week and was asking about you know, advertising on the site and how they can help out because they didn't see a donate button. So I had to direct them to a couple of announcement w- announcements we've made on other episodes regarding our Patreon campaign. We I actually recorded the introductory video for our Patreon campaign earlier today. Uh, that should be uploaded hopefully this weekend, and that will allow you guys, if if you so choose, to become involved and contribute to help the growth of the show. Uh, one of the things a lot of people were excited about was that today's show was all wrestling. Of course, there were a couple of people that were bummed out that there was not going to be a gaming and entertainment edition this week, but to coincide with what I was saying about Patreon, Uh, By raising money via Patreon, it would allow us to do not only improved episodes, but, um, and when I mean improved episodes, I mean episodes more than twice a week. Meaning, if we wanted to do exclusively a wrestling show, say Tuesday nights, obviously there would be a budget for that. Um, An MMA show, Monday nights, etc., 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 maybe a four day a week broadcasting schedule. Things of that nature. That's what we're aspiring to do, and that's what we are going to be using Patreon for. As always, we are going to continue to give perks where we can for people that contribute. You contribute a dollar, get an on-air shout-out, contribute five, you get a credit in our post-show credits, whatever the case may be, until we can determine all the perks. But our milestones are to be able to deliver My Take Radio and RageWorks content full-time, meaning episodes at least four to five times a week, event coverage from all the big events, not just all the New York-based events, but the big ones, E3, South by Southwest, uh, Game Developers Conference, etc., etc. You guys want us to do this stuff. We're definitely going to need your help to do it. Obviously, it is a big undertaking, but I'm hoping that the Patreon campaign, now that I have a better understanding on how to approach it, will definitely give you guys a couple of different incentives to want to be a part of this incredible journey. Uh, The other thing I did want to reference is email newsletters. For those of you that were on the mytakeradio.com email subscriber list, I actually purged that list because that was only giving you uh, episodes of the show. I do have your email, so please, if you did sign up for the MTR email uh, subscription, please drop me a line and I can add you 
to this current list. I don't want to just add people for the sake of doing so because I don't know how people feel about receiving newsletters if they didn't sign up for it. Even if they did, they may have forgot. But if you are interested, we will be doing that. Uh, the newsletter is going to have a couple of different things. Obviously, a condensed version of some big stories, any big announcements that are going on. Our goal is to give those that participate and, and get the, and have the email newsletter sent to their inbox. Uh, they will get access to all the news first, meaning if we're going to be covering an event before it gets covered on air, obviously those that subscribe to the newsletter will know about it first, et cetera, et cetera. We want to give you guys incentives in different areas, but also give you the freedom to choose where you want to participate, whether it be on air, via email, locally, et cetera. Anyway, so that's where we're at. That's what we got going on. For those that want an update with regards to the forums, I mentioned a couple of, of episodes back that there were some conflicts. I almost have a feeling that that was the, uh, part, one of the underlying reasons why the, why the site had so many issues. But again, um, we still are entertaining that. I refuse to go the Facebook group route. I know a lot of you would like that. But again, I, I want to keep RageWorks content on RageWorks. I refuse to continue to grow and put money in the pockets of, of you know the big corporations we got to grow our own we got to build our own and we're going to do that as best as we can like i said we're still in the trial phase and we're still researching so with that said um, once we get new updates we will share them with you guys all right so with regards to tonight's ex straight wrestling show wrestlemania play button aka wrestlemania 31 we will be talking about that. We will be talking about the huge fallout with regards to that. Plus, we will get into the wrestling news of the week. I did want to let you guys know that I checked out the uh, the Sling app, which they're offering a month free on Xbox One if you haven't. I believe possibly on PlayStation 4. And I actually got to see Lucha Underground live instead of waiting for it to be played in Spanish on the Universal uh, Unimas Network. I actually got to enjoy it on the El Rey network. The funny thing is that even though the Sling service is going to be $19.99 a month, I, I'm going to test it out for the 30 days and see if it's something that I want to continue to use because they do have a lot of channels. Uh, the El Rey network is tremendous. Uh, besides Lucha Underground, just been watching lots of great Shaw Brothers style Kung Fu flicks. A lot of, you know, those really, really bad B-grade action movies that many of us enjoy. Uh, definitely a solid investment if you got an Xbox One and you want to check out Lucha Underground and it's not on your local cable provider. Do the one-month trial. Set a reminder to cancel, uh, obviously, before May 2nd, and you'll be able to watch it live much like I am. All right, so with that said, let's get this ball rolling and jump into some wrestling. Booker T, take us away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! So, um, very strange occurrence. Uh, it shows that no one's on the switchboard, but that I am not dialed in. Uh, can you guys just let me know if my audio is clear on Mixler and via video? Because on Block Talk Radio, usually when I dial in, um, I show up in the switchboard. So let me know, uh, Slick. If you're in the Slick, 
in the uh, switchboard. Can you take a look at that just to see if I show up on your end? Just give me a heads up. Thanks. All right, so you can't. Ah, interesting. But audio is good. Thank you. Appreciate that, Keith. Um, If you're having issues with the video, definitely refresh. Uh, Slick is telling me that he can see here on both the phone and Mixler. So do yourselves a favor. If you're having any issues, uh, just uh, hit the refresh or change the uh, tab for the video feed. Sometimes the video feed gets a little funky because we are broadcasting video, um, according to my colleagues at GFQ. Anyway, so let's talk about WrestleMania 31. I wanted to uh, make sure that we had some nice new graphics up for that. So Before I get into the matches and share my thoughts on the card as a whole, I do want to discuss the build-up to WrestleMania. As many of you know, uh, the final wrestling segment before WrestleMania, I was pretty much full of piss and vinegar and vitriol and venom uh, more than usual just because I felt that WWE phoned in uh, the (laughs) build-up. Well played, Keith, well played. You know, I I felt that going into what was considered the showcase of the immortals, the wrestling's largest spectacle, the Super Bowl of professional wrestling, that the buildup that was going in was supposed to be a, um, you know, it was supposed to be a lot better than it was. So I'll be honest when I tell you, I tuned into WrestleMania, I missed a pre-show, and I probably watched it on, on tape delay by about, an hour, half an hour to an hour. And what I ended up doing was when I tuned in, I went in with zero expectations, meaning I didn't expect it to be great. I didn't expect it to be terrible. I just went in clean. Slick can attest to this. I wanted no spoilers. I wanted no updates, no communiques, no text messages, nothing. I didn't want, I wanted to go into this pay-per-view with zero emotional investment. And the reason is because if I go in there with high expectations and it sucked, I'd be upset. If I went in there with low expectations and it was good, it would be great, but I would still be doing a disservice to the product because I was automatically expecting it to suck. So what I ended up doing was I went in, I started watching it a little later. I ended up, like I said, missing the pre-show. I had to watch that later on after the card was over. And before I get into the matches, I will say that I thoroughly enjoyed WrestleMania. You know, and and I agree. The Keith says, I'm sorry I doubted it heavy and I was so, so wrong. My friend, I agree with you 100%. But I will say this, walking in, walking in with no expectations led to some of the best enjoyment for me as a fan versus me as a commentator or a pundit you know I walked in I had nothing I walked in clean and it was thoroughly enjoyable were there some low points absolutely but the low points were not enough for me to say that the Wrestlemania card itself was garbage the right performers stepped up and yes there were some matches where I wanted people to win that they didn't but I will say this, even though they didn't win, the fans ended up winning. And not only that, but the performers that were on the losing end became better performers after those matches concluded. 
And I'm talking about Bray Wyatt and The Undertaker. I'm talking about Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I'm talking about that ladder match. There were so many other benefits that came out of that aside from the winners and the losers. There was just a, a, a different level of excitement in that arena. And with that said, you look at where WrestleMania is going to be next year, which is at Cowboy Stadium, a huge venue, a venue that is you know, technologically forward. It is ridiculous in every sense of the word. And that WrestleMania, this WrestleMania was pretty much a warm-up for next year because next year, WWE is definitely going to pull all the stops. And like I said, they're looking to, to break records at Cowboy Stadium. They're going to take advantage of every ounce of technology in that stadium. It is going to be ridiculous. Ridiculous. And the fact that they've already gone to great lengths to promote it lets you know that they got big things planned but i can extol the virtues of wrestlemania the entire night let's talk about the fatal four-way tag team title match which had an incredible incredible amount of chemistry between all the teams involved and cesaro and kid winning was the right thing a lot of people were upset because they really wanted to see the Usos get the titles back because of Rikishi going in the Hall of Fame. But I will be honest. Tyson Kidd and Antonio Cesaro individually and together are actually some of the best performers on that roster. Now, don't misunderstand. These guys aren't walking out there cutting five-star promos. They're not going out there delivering monologues of monologue you know monologue after monologue of epic of epic proportions instead what you are getting is a throwback to old school tag teams where you had the power and the speed where you had the power guy that carried the bulk of the matches and the speed guy that brought the flash together individually they're good together they are great same thing goes for the new day Yes, the New Day gimmick is without a doubt the worst gimmick. But when you look at the combinations of wrestlers involved, you see that there is still some good power and speed combinations in that team. The only problem is that their gimmick is terrible and they haven't really found a way to execute finishers and moves that are unique to them. Yes, they do a lot of good tandem moves, but they don't have signature moves a la Kid and Cesaro, which have, you know, the, um, you know, they have the swing into the drop kick, uh, you know, the European uppercut into the sharpshooter setup, different things. And of course, you know, the Matatodes are, they are what they are. Those guys, you know, their family, their blood, you know, you're going to get good matches. The same thing with the Usos, which really seem to have turned up their, you know, they really turned up their intensity in this match. I really like the pacing of this match and seeing what we saw on Monday night with the newest additions to the tag team roster, I have faith that Kid and Cesaro are going to do nothing but good for that division. As an opening match, it definitely was a great great start. Now, we go from that to the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Many people were upset that the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal was moved to the pre-show. Obviously, with all the pacing and the scheduling and the constant frenzied pace of, of the card from top to bottom, things had to get shuffled around. I was bummed that I missed it, but I wasn't bummed in the sense that, you know, seeing the big show win 
really, really disappointed me. And I'll tell you why. There are plenty of opportunities to create stars. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is an opportunity to create a star. My issue with it is that once you win the big gold Andre trophy, you do absolutely nothing with it. And I say this because Cesaro had an incredible showing and everybody thought that Cesaro winning it was going to lead to bigger and better opportunities. And what did it lead to? Jack and shit. So, with that said, if the end result was going to be that the winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal was essentially going to stay where they are, then fuck, the Big Show should have won it the first year. (laughs) You guys get what I'm saying? Like... If you guys aren't doing shit with the winner, like, you know, giving them a title opportunity or something big, then the the Big Show should have won the first one, and this year's winner should have been either Mizdow or Ryback. I definitely like the swerve with Mizdow almost winning, but I would have rather you give it to Mizdow and Ryback and kind of run with that opportunity. The Big Show could have won it the first year, and I'll be honest, it wouldn't have bothered me because, like I said, Cesaro won it, the trophy got broken, and they did absolutely nothing with him. At least if the Big Show wins and they do nothing with the Big Show, it's no different than any other Monday where the Big Show is doing jack and shit either way. But, alas, even though I didn't get the, you know, I didn't get the winner that I would have liked in that match... The match itself was a very, very enjoyable bit of filler, which allowed a lot of the WWE roster to get their WrestleMania payday. A lot of people don't don't realize that, you know, being on the WrestleMania card, whether you're a jobber or a mid-carder or in a battle royal is crucial because that's how you're going to get paid. You know, you get paid based on that WrestleMania buy rate. So That's why the Battle Royal is such a big staple because a lot of these guys go in there and that's when they make themselves a nice payday. Think of the bulk of the guys that were in there. They're guys that you hardly see on television. Titus O'Neil, Zack Ryder, you know, Heath Slater, Adam Rose, Fandango, etc. You know, you go down that list and, you know, a lot of people were upset that Hideo Itami didn't win it either. And, um... The way I see it is Hideo Itami was put in because obviously they wanted they wanted to take advantage of the Japanese media presence that was there from the Hall of Fame. It was obvious and it was calculated, but it was fine. So many people that were bummed out that Hideo Itami didn't win, you have to understand, you know, Hideo Itami not winning doesn't hurt Hideo Itami because Hideo Itami in NXT is exactly what he needs to be, the future of this business. It was a very, very calculated move by WWE, and I'll be honest, I would have rather you put a Tommy in there, give him his few minutes to shine, versus getting somebody in there like Neville, who has to, you know, who has such a uh, an amazing high-flying offense that you would not get to showcase adequately. I'm sorry to say it, but... You know, we look at the Battle Royal, and while we didn't love it and we didn't hate it, it definitely could have it could have yielded a better result. Like I said, if you're the winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, then that Monday you should use that as a as a as a reward and challenge for a title or something. At least then it puts a little more weight behind it. You know, that's the thing that I always that I always get. You know, if you're going to create this special moment, 
then you should have it build up to something else. It's it's the same thing like King of the Ring or any of these other tournaments or the, any of these other things that were done. You know, you win the Royal Rumble, you go on to challenge for for the title at WrestleMania. If you win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, then you're entitled to challenge that Monday and only that Monday for the title of your choice. If you're a member of a tag team, tag team title, if you want to challenge for the US or IC, great or the world title, great. But at least it adds a little bit more of a of a bonus, a little bit more of a nugget for people to appreciate. Again, that's that's where I stand on it. I didn't hate it, but I just felt it could have been just done a little bit better. That's all I'm saying. All right, so <laughs> You know what it is, Keith? Uh, the Keith writes, man, that shit ain't nothing but a match to put people in with no storylines. They're not going to run with it. They Exactly. It's not. But you know what it is? It's a match for people to get paid. If if you if you search around on the web, you'll see that, you know, the WrestleMania payouts for the wrestlers are based on, you know, participation in the event. So that's why a lot of wrestlers try and find a way to get on a WrestleMania card. You know, so... Those guys that are in there, think about it. They're guys we don't see on TV sometimes for weeks at a time. <laughs> for weeks at a time. You don't see. You, when, when was the last time you really saw Zack Ryder out there? Or Titus O'Neil when he's not getting jobbed out? That's what I'm saying. Like It's just an opportunity for these guys to get themselves a nice paycheck. Anyway, let's let's switch gears and jump into the ladder match, which... I had I had very very high expectations of the ladder match given the participants involved. Every guy in that ladder match was tremendous. Every one of them. Every you know, you may not like our truth, but our truth is a very very underrated worker. Very underrated. The same can be said for Luke Harper. If you're not aware of Luke Harper's ring work, do yourselves a favor, YouTube Brody Lee and you can see what the deal is with that. Obviously, Daniel Bryan, uh, Stardust, Dolph Ziggler, you knew what the deal was. Those guys are going to go out there and give you uh, a five-star match with their eyes closed. The same could be said for Dean Ambrose. But I felt that the latter match, while it was tremendous and it was extremely enjoyable, I kind of felt that it went short, and I almost felt that it went short because it looked like Dean Ambrose got injured. Now, on the flip side, I also feel... That because you had a thousand fucking high end entrances, uh, you know that that things were going to be cut short. But there were a significant amount of solid spots. Um, when when the bull hammer was hit on Dolph Ziggler and he fell off the ladder like he was dead, like he got shot on the grassy knoll, that was very cool. Ambrose eating the power bomb through the ladder, that was very cool. There were a a, a substantial amount of great spots. But I also feel that they were under the gun from a time standpoint, which considering all the stuff that went down at WrestleMania and the minimal, the, the, the limited amount of delays between matches, it was, you know, it was about as good as you could expect. Have there been ladder matches that are greater than that? Absolutely. Have there been ladder matches that were worse? Absolutely. It was what it was. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan winning. Everybody saw it. We all saw it. I've talked about it uh, numerous times. We knew that putting the belt on Daniel Bryan was being done for the sake of not only looking out for him, 
but also for legitimizing the IC title. And I'll be honest, if putting the belt on Daniel Bryan leads to more great matches with the likes of Dolph Ziggler or Dean Ambrose or Stardust or any of those guys, I will take it. I'll take it. If it means Daniel Bryan's health being being protected, I will take that too. See, because a lot of people automatically just look at it. Oh, look, Daniel Bryan's being demoted and blah, blah, blah. And yes, you could look at it that way if you want. But I also look at the the upside by putting a legitimate wrestler, a championship caliber guy in there that could have great matches with everyone. It really makes the IC title a title that you want to see defended because you know that the individual that's holding the strap is going to be the guy that's going to give us one of the best matches, period. And that's what people fail to realize. It's very easy to say, oh, you know, of course they're going to give the belt to Daniel Bryan. But you got to remember, Daniel Bryan is in, a, is in a capacity where he not only can grow the title and make the title mean something, but it will allow him to work with an endless supply of performers. See, when you're up on the main card, you know who your, who your five or six main eventers are. Think about it. Daniel Bryan in the main event, you know he's going to wrestle Seth Rollins. You know he's going to wrestle John Cena, Roman Reigns, possibly Brock Lesnar, possibly Randy Orton, etc., etc. Now, when you put the mid-card, that's a different ballgame because the mid-card can be any of those guys in that ladder match, the returning Sheamus, any main event guy, any guy that comes up from NXT. There's so many different options at play that... You're not going to feel bummed out that, you know, your main guy is an IC or a U.S. title holder and that it's going to hurt in the long run. On the contrary, it I see the benefit there. I genuinely do. I know a lot of people, like I said, very vocal. They felt that Daniel Bryan got, got demoted in this situation. I don't think Daniel Bryan got demoted. I think that Daniel Bryan was afforded the opportunity to bring uh, prestige and just better better appeal to a secondary belt that's number one and number two it also allows him to work with not only some of the veterans of the mid card but some of that up and coming talent that really need to get the most brought out of them Daniel Bryan is that guy if Daniel Bryan can get a four-star match or a five-star match out of Roman Reigns Daniel Bryan can get a four and five-star match out of anybody simple as that all right so Randy Orton and Seth Rollins. Obviously, we we all know about the RKO scene around the world, but the match itself told an incredible story. Incredible. There were there were amazing spots. There were tremendous finishes. There was you know J and J security got neutralized immediately, and we saw without a doubt one of the best RKOs that I've seen in recent memory. Uh, there's a part of me that almost wants to put the RKO on Seth Rollins above the RKO that Randy Orton gave Evan Bourne. And the reason I say this is because it took an incredible amount of trust and execution from both parties to hit that move in such a fashion that not only did it look amazing and believable, but it created a highlight that we will never, ever, ever forget. Think about it. You are trusting a guy to step on your shoulder. That guy is trusting you to give him enough elevation so that you can catch him, you know, and, and and hit your finisher. There is an incredible amount of trust there. And that just shows that Randy Orton, love him or hate him, the guy knows when to step up. 
And and I've I'll you know I'll be the first to admit I am not a huge Randy Orton fan because as a character he is boring as fuck. When he's a villain, he's on top of the world. When he's a face, he sucks. But uh, you know, and on the grandest stage of them all, in the big money matches, we see why Randy Orton is considered one of the best in the business, and Seth Rollins definitely brought that to another level. If you guys did not enjoy that match, then I'm sorry to say you don't know professional wrestling. That match had amazing storytelling. It had some great spots. And the finish, like I said, is a finish that we will be telling our children about years from now. Unless, of course, I thought we were going to see Rollins go for the Phoenix Splash and Orton catch him with the Phoenix, you know, catch him out of the Phoenix Splash with the RKO. But that ending was far, far better all right so let's talk about the old timers let's talk about staying in triple h first of all triple h's entrance was it was good up until he came out and he looked like mechanized conan the whole mechanized conan headpiece was fucking terrible i would have rather he had like the red terminator eye and maybe like the the leather jacket and you know just just keep it a little bit more, you know, less is more. It was like, we're going to give you mechanized Conan the Barbarian, and um, we're going to hope for the best. I understand that you're trying to promote Terminator Genesis, and I have zero problem with that. But Triple H wears the, the leather Terminator jacket. He's worn it on numerous occasions. So why couldn't he come out with the leather jacket and, you know, maybe just have the red cyborg contact? and maybe a little makeup, it would have been cool. Or why not have Triple H come out on like a motorcycle and, and you know, come out on the motorcycle with a leather jacket and have the Terminators come up out of the floor, something. But instead, we get mechanized Conan the Barbarian, and we're, we're expected to think that this is the coolest shit we've ever seen. Yes, the T-800s were awesome. The video clip, the video package, no problem. Mechanized Conan... Get the fuck out of here. It was it was ridiculous. On Sting's side, you know, Sting got the um the Japanese entrance and it was weird. I really didn't understand the the symbolism other than the face paint. You know, if you're trying to do like kabuki face paint, it was weird and it seemed a little bit out of place for a guy who's pretty much been been booked as the, uh, the crow. If you're booking him as the crow, you could have had like like some sort of an alternative metal band do his intro and he would have came out or you could have had a band play Sting's old entrance music and then have it transition to his new music at least something like that to acknowledge those WCW roots instead you know we get what's essentially you know Japanese opera music and mechanized Conan as for the match itself the match itself was exactly what I said it was going to be it was going to be very safe it had a lot of really um you know, it had a lot of safe spots, but it told a very, very good story. Now, if you noticed, Triple H's leg towards the, the, the middle of that match turned fucking purple. I don't know if it was because he had a big bruise or maybe he hurt his hamstring, but it was out of this world how purple his leg was. His leg looked like Jose Aldo, uh, uh, looked like Uriah Faber's leg after he fought Jose Aldo for the title. It was very, very scary. I said, yo, did he, did he tear his hamstring? Did he injure himself? Um, 
As for Sting, like I said, the match was very safe. Sting definitely had a lot of great moments. He had that dive off the top onto, you know, the the interfering Degeneration X. We got to see the NWO, and that, it depends on how you look at it. For some of us, you know, there is nostalgia there, but for others, it pretty much looked like a bunch of drunk uncles fighting at a barbecue, depending on who you ask. Was it good? Was it bad? It depends. Like, I'm 50-50 on it because the nostalgic wrestling fan in me thought, this is fucking awesome. The more, the more, um, the more analytical wrestling fan felt that it took away from the symbolism of this match. Again, I understand why you had to involve everybody again from a safety standpoint and not trying to make this match become, you know, a, 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 a clusterfuck. I can understand that, but it could have, it could have been better, but it also could have been worse. Like I said, I also, I also felt that Triple H should have put Sting over. It's like you go through all this trouble to sign this guy. You make a big deal that you sign the icon, the last soldier of WCW. You could have given Sting the win, especially because we don't know if this is going to be Sting's last WrestleMania match. So why not let the guy go out on top? I think the guy is respected enough in this business that he could have been put over. That's all I'm saying. Plus, it would have been cool if Sting would have won. The NWO would have attacked Triple H and spray-painted him with the NWO on the back. I just, you know, I felt that for all the pomp and circumstance and all the work that went into not only getting Sting signed, but getting Sting um, in front of the crowd for WrestleMania, the least you could have done was put the fucking guy over. I'm sorry to say it, Triple H hardly wrestles. He could have put Sting over and it wouldn't have hurt anybody and it would have given Sting his WrestleMania moment. Instead, Sting's WrestleMania moment is looking defeated, with half of his face paint gone, shaking Triple H's hand. Not what we wanted. Definitely, you know, it's 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 absurd. And that's one of those things, like I said, it didn't hinder my enjoyment of the pay-per-view because I tried to go in, like I said, clean without any emotion whatsoever. But I did feel let down that Sting was not put over after all the work that was put into getting him there in the first place. All right, so... The, uh, the Divas Tag Match. Now, at first glance, you look at the Divas Tag Match and you say to yourself, this is the match that I'm going to go to the bathroom and or go downstairs and get some more snacks or whatever the case may be. And I was giving it some thought, but the match was surprisingly well done. It showed me a couple of things. First of all, it showed me that the Bellas can step it up when necessary, and when they feel motivated. And the reason I say this is because the Bellas know on when they wrestle on Monday Night Raw that it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win. WrestleMania is a bit of a different ballgame. And, and being that, you know, seeing as that is the case, I did feel that the Bellas not only worked incredibly well in the match, but were extremely motivated. Not only that, but Paige and AJ winning definitely was a step in the right direction because the rumors are always that the Bellas are the favorites. So by allowing Paige and AJ to win this match, you pretty much put a squash on that, and you also allowed the quote-unquote anti-divas to shine, which again, considering how much they shoved the Bellas down our throats, was extremely, extremely refreshing. Now, and I say, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm going to repeat this later on, 
but every Sunday should be WrestleMania because everybody steps their fucking game up that, you know, that next night. And the Bellas definitely stepped their game up both at WrestleMania and afterwards as well. All right, so let's talk about the United States Championship match between Rusev and Cena. First of all, regardless of all the jokes that I make about Delhi Clerk Rusev, the entrance with the fucking tank was amazing. I never would have thought that they would have had cannons and soldiers and all this shit and Rusev coming out in a tank. I did not expect that in the least, and I have to admit that it was fucking awesome. Because when he rode out on that tank, people were like, oh, shit. Like, even I was like, wow, that's that's insane, you know? And I think that given that Rusev had such a good entrance, I thought that John Cena would have been, like, shot out of a jet or some shit. But instead, John Cena has his typical boring entrance. Now, a lot of people were saying that John Cena's entrance was done that way to not take the spotlight away from Rusev, but it's WrestleMania. You don't think that you could give John Cena a fucking decent entrance? I don't know, fucking let let an eagle go when his music fucking ha- drops? Something, anything, please. Instead, we get... And he comes running out and, you know, his typical bullshit. And as for the match itself, we may hate John Cena's gimmick, but put John Cena in there with the right performer and we get special moments. First of all, Rusev executed a Kevin Steen style cannonball with very, very smooth fucking movement in every sense of the word. Rusev delivered an amazing diving headbutt that would put Chris Benoit and Bull Dempsey to shame. And the reason I say this is because Rusev is a massive dude and John Cena was pretty far away. The Keefe says, felt Rusev was moving like a damn dolphin. It's true. Rusev was not only running on all cylinders, but he looked like a main eventer. Like everybody said, you know, John Cena won. And we knew John Cena was going to win. Everybody knew that. But like I said, Rusev was the victor in, you know, in Cena may have won the battle, but Rusev won the war because he made people believe in him, not only as a character, but as a performer, I was super impressed. Incredible agility, uh, incredible agility, amazing technique, uh, really, really novel, um, you know, really novel offense from Rusev. As for John Cena, John Cena dipped into his playbook as well. We even saw John Cena do an off the rope stunner, which blew everybody's mind because if you blinked, you would think that he fucked up the move, but he didn't. It was a very, very well-executed move. And think about it. John Cena is not exactly the most graceful guy when he gets on the top rope and does any high-flying move. But again, it's WrestleMania. He was bringing something out of the playbook. And it, it, it really just, you had, it was a blink and you missed it moment. Like, I had to rewind it and watch because I'm like, this motherfucker really just came off the ropes and did a stunner. And it looked fucking good. Rusev also impressed me because he sold it like a champion. Now, yes, Lana got involved, and that when she was the catalyst for for Cena defeating Rusev. But I would expect nothing less. I'd expect nothing less in this instance, and it worked. But like I said, yes, John Cena won the belt. 
but Rusev won the fans. Simple as that. John Cena won the belt, but Rusev won the fans. And at the end of the day, the fans are going to be more important to Rusev's career than the belt. They're going to be they're going to be they're going to be a huge huge part in Rusev's success. Now the Keith mentions Lana's shoes. The funny thing was when Lana threw her first shoe in the ring, I was like, "Yo, what the fuck is this chick doing?" Then she threw in the second shoe. And I said to myself, "Okay, she's throwing she's taking off her shoes. Is it because she's going to have to run to the back?" But it was because she took a uh, you know, a uh, somewhat of a bump. As we all know, Lana's contract doesn't allow her to take any, you know, serious bumps. So I got to I got to give the chick credit cuz she took, you know, somewhat of a bump, but it really was essential for the overall presentation of the story. Again, Rusev, you know, Rusev did what he had to do. He delivered an incredible match. We got a new U.S. champion, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later when I break down Raw. Now, of course, we get a a, a Rock appearance, and a couple of reasons why I figured that The Rock was going to be there. First of all, his mom and his daughter were in the front row at the Hall of Fame and were in the front row at WrestleMania, and you saw them periodically throughout the broadcast. I said to myself, The Rock's mom and The Rock's daughter are there. Yeah, they might be there to see Roman Reigns, but most times when The Rock's daughter is at WrestleMania, it's because she's there to see her dad. And of course, The Rock did not disappoint coming out, having 76,000 people in Levi Stadium erupt with cheers when The Rock came out to pretty much put the, uh, the verbal smackdown on Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. Of course, the big the big result of this entire exchange was Ronda Rousey hopping the guardrail and not only hip tossing Triple H but also putting her hands on Stephanie McMahon. Now, this served a couple of different re- a couple of different purposes. First of all, I said to everybody, "Congratulations WWE, you just gave UFC free press the entire weekend." That's number 1. Number 2, Ronda Rousey looked like a natural in there. She essentially rubber-stamped a post-MMA career in the WWE. She's got the look. She was comfortable on the mic. She really worked. You know, even though it was probably scripted, the te- the, the, the the judo throw on Triple H was definitely very, very well done. Plus, I got to give props to Triple H because that motherfucker had a purple leg and he still let Ronda Rousey toss him like a rag doll. Again, these are all little things that you need to acknowledge. As for Ronda Rousey, she may be at WrestleMania, she may be at SummerSlam, she may be all over the place, but I'll tell you this. If and when Ronda Rousey decides to walk away from MMA, she has got herself a guaranteed WWE contract. I say this for three reasons. Mainstream appeal, knowledge of the business, and best of all, a legitimate badass background. It's no different than Brock Lesnar. You know, MMA champion, legitimate fighter, entertainer. It's all there. Ronda Rousey succeeded in not only giving the UFC their WrestleMania moment, but succeeded in putting herself on the WWE's radar should she decide to walk away from MMA either as an undefeated champion or to seek other opportunities. It was a great segment. It really did a lot 
for everybody involved. Obviously, it teased a possible match between Triple H and the Rock, and, and the Rock, or Triple H and uh, or the Rock and someone next year at WrestleMania and Cowboy Stadium. It also opened up the floodgates for other events and cross promotion between the UFC and WWE. It's like I've said before, and I'll say it again. Yes, MMA and wrestling, real and fake, but the athleticism in both areas are real. The dedication and craft executed by both sets of performers and fighters is real. The line between wrestling and MMA, theatricality and violence, is very, very slim. And I say this all the time. The reason why I do MMA and wrestling together, yes, they're very, very close on in, in multiple areas, but it's because the only thing that separates both are you know is is the fact that one has predetermined endings and one doesn't. And again, even that is up for debate depending on who you ask. But nonetheless, it was a great segment, it worked well, and it did wonders for everyone that was involved. And if you didn't mark out as an MMA fan or if you didn't mark out as a wrestling fan, then I don't know what to tell you because that was just an awesome, awesome fucking moment, period. So the Undertaker and Bray Wyatt was our next match of the evening. And um, of course, the big question was which Undertaker was going to show up. The in-shape, super fluid, well-executing Undertaker or the chubby, girdle-wearing Undertaker that got decimated by Brock Lesnar. Well, ladies and gents, I was surprised that we not only got a a younger-looking Undertaker, but we got an Undertaker that was moving very, very quickly in a very, very agile fashion, but best of all, told an incredible story. Everybody complains that Bray Wyatt should have won this match. A couple of things. First of all, The Undertaker is coming back from what is considered one of the most devastating losses of his career. The guy's not going to come back to lose at the next WrestleMania. That's number one. Number two, if the rumors are to be believed, The Undertaker will be retiring next year at WrestleMania 32 in his home state of Texas. So you want the guy to go in there as the winner. Simple as that. Number three, just because Bray Wyatt got to the dance, you know, just because he 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 walked, he he was part of the wedding, didn't mean that he was going to be the bride. And the reason I say this is because the loss did not hurt Bray Wyatt at all. First of all, Bray Wyatt worked that match with an injured ankle that had an air cast on it until about two minutes before he walked out there. That's number one. Number two, the guy had an awesome entrance with all the scarecrows. And number three. Bray Wyatt came away from that match a better wrestler. You wrestled one of the all-time greats in a match that was not only enjoyable, but fluid and told a great story. Don't let anybody... Yes, should Bray Wyatt have won in a perfect world? Absolutely. But you have to look at the big picture. You know, The Undertaker was motivated. He was in shape. He looked great, and Bray Wyatt was came away from that match a better wrestler, a better performer, a better everything. You know, people people always look at at the surface. I try to look at the big picture. Yes, Bray Wyatt 
should have been put over because Bray Wyatt is the future of this business. But there is one Undertaker. One. And you have to give the guy his respect. The guy essentially got murdered last year for the sake of ending that streak. Give the guy the opportunity to get his win back so that if he does retire next year, it will be under the right circumstances and not because he was beaten to death in a match. To to quote what the Keefe says in the chat, he says, who cares about wins and losses in a match like that? Man, I just wanted to see your performance. That is 100% fact. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's true. In that instance, yes, wins and losses, and I talk about it, yes, they do matter. But in this instance, given the the special nature of the match that was there, it, it you know, in the in terms of the bigger picture, Bray Wyatt is the future of this business. Besides the fact, guys that have gone in there and lost to the Undertaker, they've still been successful. Batista, Mark Henry, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, the list goes on. Yes, everybody talks about the importance and the significance of the matches and the streak and everything else. But what matters to me is the Undertaker's legacy. This guy, if he's going to retire next year, he should go out on top. You know, if he's got to go out, you know, 22 and 1 or, you know, 23 and 1, whatever the case may be, so be it. There will be plenty of opportunities for Bray Wyatt to run with the ball. There will be a passing of the torch. Who knows? Maybe next year he'll he'll give Bray Wyatt the rematch and Bray Wyatt will win, and that'll be the passing of the torch. Who knows? But again, it's a long road to WrestleMania 32 at Cowboy Stadium. And until then, I'm okay with The Undertaker winning at WrestleMania 31. Simple as that. All right, so... Let's talk about the big one. Brock Lesnar taking on Roman Reigns. We expected this to be a a, a train wreck of a match because Roman Reigns, once the clock strikes five minutes, essentially breaks down to punches and kicks and and his three moves of doom. Instead, this turned into not only a bloody affair, but also a match that saw a lot of interesting things. First of all, it saw the or it saw the creation of Suplex City. You know, uh, Suplex City bitch was the highlight of that match. That's number one. Number two, Brock Lesnar slapping around Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns laughing in his face was what everybody didn't really realize. And let me explain. Yes, Roman Reigns. Everybody thought he was going to win, and that's fine. And when Brock Lesnar resigned. Everybody thought Brock was going to win. But what people didn't realize is that that match made Roman Reigns a legitimate badass. This guy was getting dropped on his fucking head and he was getting slapped in the face by a guy who's essentially, you know, one step removed from from caveman. And he was laughing and smiling in his face. People don't understand that is great for Roman Reigns, character. Paul Heyman's been calling Roman Reigns the Samoan badass. And and everybody's like, ah, you know, that's just Paul Heyman trying to build Roman Reigns up. No, you have to book Roman Reigns as the Samoan badass. And Slick said it best, hashtag make Roman look strong. 
He did, but it was done in a way that worked. Not only that, but every time Brock Lesnar threw Roman Reigns out, his father was in the front row with the Hawaiian shirt, and he's yelling, fight, Roman, fight, get up, get up, get in there, fight, Roman, fight, you know, and that was really, really great storytelling. Again, we all knew that something something big was going to happen in the main event. First of all, the big thing that happened was that we got to see a different side of Roman Reigns versus the cookie-cutter shit that WWE is shoving down everyone's throat. That is number one. Number two, we realized, if you didn't know it already, that Brock Lesnar is a good worker because he works very aggressively, but he works very clean. Every time he dropped Roman Reigns on his dome, you saw that it was a clean throw with a clean bump and a clean shot. It was great storytelling. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And... Obviously, let's talk about the big one. Seth Rollins cashing in. Let me let me let me break this down to you. For those of you that were upset or have questions, Seth Rollins cashing in is something that we've talked about on numerous episodes all the way up to the episode before WrestleMania 31. We all talked about it, but Seth Rollins cashing in was the right thing to do because, again, if Brock Lesnar would have retained, who is going to believably challenge the Beast Incarnate to take that belt and make it look believable? I got to tell you, no one. Sure, you could have put the belt on Roman Reigns, and what? Have your champion booed out of the building the minute he sets foot on stage? Absolutely not. Seth Rollins is the quint he is the he is the edge of our generation. He is the edge of the reality era. He is a great worker, he is a very very solid talker and above all else plays a magnificent heel. When he was out there Monday night pretty much like, you know, I'm a little jet lagged, it worked. It was natural. Like I've said, there are certain performers that are natural heels. Natural heels. The Miz. The Miz is a natural heel. The Miz can never be a face because the guy looks like too much of a fucking douchebag to be anything but a heel. Randy Orton. Cocky, pretty boy douchebag. It works. Those guys cannot be faces. Not because they can't work as faces, but because when you look at them, you see bad guys triple h even when triple h was a face he was a, a face with an edge you know with a with a he was an edgy face triple h wasn't full-on good guy hugging kids and kissing babies and shit he was he was a, a gray dude he was gray edge when edge was a bad guy edge was at the top of the food chain edge was one of the best bad guys on that roster the same could be said for christian There's just certain guys that excel at being villains. Seth Rollins is one of them. Now, don't misunderstand. Seth Rollins is going to make an awesome face, too. He is because he has the look. He has the charisma to pull that off. But as a heel, Seth Rollins is the number one heel in the business. Period. And not only not only did he did he win the belt, which I liked. He won the belt and he ran away with it to celebrate on the ramp 
because he knew if he stayed anywhere near that ring, he was a dead man. Again, great storytelling, awesome foreshadowing, just an overall solid delivery from top to finish. Ladies and gentlemen, WrestleMania 31, I went in with zero opinion on it, and I walked away not only extremely entertained, but extremely impressed that certain people stepped up beyond the level of expectation that fans had already set. Nobody thought in a million years that Seth Rollins, after eating that RKO, would quote-unquote be in the building to cash in that briefcase. Many of us, yes, we joked about it, we speculated about it, but nobody thought after that RKO that he ate, he's not going to come back and cash in. He'll cash in tomorrow. But instead, it was the surprise of surprises. Nobody saw it coming. Not only that, but when he handed in the briefcase, I'm like, yo, what are they doing? And and again, it made the match a triple threat, and he defeated not Brock Lesnar, but Roman Reigns. He defeated the challenger and not the quote-unquote champion. Great storytelling, great expectation, well, uh, great roadmap for future matches. He could feud with, with Randy Orton, who defeated him before he cashed in, which we already see happening. He can, you know, he can wrestle with Roman Reigns. He can wrestle with Brock Lesnar. You know, there there's ample opportunities for Rollins to continue to 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 solidify himself as the premier heel champion. Plenty of opportunities. The roadmap that has been laid out for him is flawless. Flawless. Like I said, it was a great, unexpected, but yet delightfully surprising result. WrestleMania 31, was it an amazing, amazing pay-per-view? Not necessarily, but it did have its fair share of amazing moments. All right. So, with that said, let us switch gears and jump into this week's episode of Raw, shall we? All right, so it would only be fitting that Seth Rollins' intro music gets played to talk about Raw this week because let me tell you that the opening of Raw, first of all, the crowd. The crowd deserves a ton of kudos for adding an extra dimension to the product on Monday night. I said this off air on Monday, and I'm going to say it on air now. There should be a WrestleMania every Sunday just so that we can get tremendous crowds like that. Monday's crowd was insane. At times a little too over the top, but they really, really added to the, to, to the, you, the, to the special moments throughout the evening. First of all, Paul Heyman's promo with Brock Lesnar not only was an amazing promo, but it was the turning of the corner. Brock Lesnar went from hated part-time wrestler to beloved superstar like this. Think about it. A couple of months ago, everybody was complaining that um, Brock Lesnar was, without a doubt, the, um, you know, a part-timer who was just coming in to collect the paycheck 
and blah, 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 you know, the usual. And instead, what ended up happening was Brock Lesnar came in and he pretty much, the crowd welcomed him. They welcomed him. They embraced him because they realized that this guy is a is a is a monster. He is an un he is a freak athlete that you know has a mouthpiece that delivers amazing amazing storytelling. You know, it's 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 insane. Now the thing I gotta say, and and this is this is something that's up for debate, is many people felt that Brock Lesnar needed to be there for the right moments. You know, in other words, you needed Brock Lesnar there Monday night, whether he re-signed or he didn't, you know? And the fact is that Brock Lesnar, with his brand new three-year contract, is going to continue to be cheered because the crowd is smarter. It's like I've said before, we are, we are smarter wrestling fans, and that's a gift and a curse. And, you know, it is, Slick is telling me that the switchboard is down. I don't see anything here. The switchboard to me is blank. So I'm going to have to wait a few minutes and refresh. Anyway, as I was saying, Paul Heyman and Brock's promo were definitely a, a solid way to open things up. Uh, of course, Stephanie McMahon coming out there was good. Um, of course, that led to a um, Ronda Rousey chant. And, you know, again... It was foreshadowing for what was going to transpire later on in the evening. I will say this, and this is the thing that gets me. We we go from that to Daniel Bryan's first title defense. And the reasoning why I felt that that was a good way to do it was because the crowd was already hype, and you knew that as soon as Daniel Bryan's music hit, that Dolph's, that, that you know the crowd would really give him 110%. And sure enough, Daniel Bryan's music hit, and that chant, that arena went crazy. Crazy. And it worked. It was an incredible, it was an incredible moment. It was right up there with that entire 75,000 fan arena at WrestleMania chanting yes as well. And of course, we know that him and Dolph Ziggler are going to have a tremendous match, and that's exactly what happened. But of course, as soon as I saw Bad News Barrett on commentary, I knew he was going to get involved. What I didn't expect was to see Sheamus jump straight out of WWE Immortals into uh, WWE Raw and come out looking like, you know, a guy that you would see on Vikings. It was it was insane. I mean, again, we, we knew they were going to do something with Sheamus, and honestly, Sheamus is fucking bland as shit. So I'll take him looking like a reject from Mad Max if it means that he'll be remotely interesting. Anyway, it looks like uh, looks like the switchboard is back up. From what I gather, I see one person on hold. It looks like it's Jay. Let me see what the deal is. Mr. Santee. Am I on right now? Now you are. Really? Holy crap. I didn't even press one. Crap. You got some good stuff going on over there. What's going on, boss? I don't know, man. We were coming off, you know, one of one of the one of the best WrestleManias, which was surprising. As I said before, I brought you on. I went into this WrestleMania with no expectations, and came away with what was an incredibly enjoyable card 
from start to finish. As did I, because like we mentioned last week, it was one of those things we didn't have any investment in any matches. Nope. It was like, you know, we could look at this as probably like fresh eyes. And let me tell you, this WrestleMania had a couple of people over. We, you know, we had like a good Super Bowl vibe going on. We have some uh, wrestling enthusiasts. We have some returning fans. And we had those who were trying to get back into wrestling. And let me tell you, this had to be the WrestleMania to tie everybody together. I was deeply happy about what happened that, that Sunday night. With good reason. I mean, think about it. We got to see some stuff for the old school fans, some stuff for the new school fans, and above all else, something for new fans. And, and you know, not, not, to, not to go not to go backwards and touch on WrestleMania too much, you know, guys like guys like Rusev, Bray Wyatt, you know, even though they lost in their respective matches, they came out with the most important thing, more fans. More fans were digging their vibe after those matches were over. I mean, and then the next day, you know, I go into work, and once again, like I tell you, I've become now become the, the wrestling guy at work, you know, the the first couple of weeks of me talking about wrestling, everybody's like, you know it's fake and it's all the nonsense. And then now they come to me and it's, well, I was watching WrestleMania and uh, I got to say, it was pretty damn awesome. Like, who's this guy? And, you know, and they start quizzing and asking questions about things. And that, that's what I think WWE is finally trying to do. It might have been a long time coming, but I think this is what they were finally trying to do to bring back that old wrestling magic back. Well, I think that that was part of it, but the other part was, and, and you know, it leads me into, into Monday, it, you know, the guys that are the considered, you know, the elder statesmen, the quote-unquote main eventers, you know, even though Daniel Bryan got the IC title, and we can, you know, many of us, myself at one point, considered it a demotion, I realized that Daniel Bryan as IC champion will, uh, will afford him the opportunity to work with a deeper with a deeper roster than him being in the main event. Think about it. If he's in the main event, it's John Cena, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, maybe Brock Lesnar, maybe the big show if they're bored, and that's it. Meanwhile, Daniel Bryan is IC champion, Dolph Ziggler, Dean Ambrose, um, Bray Wyatt if you want to go that route, um, Wade Barrett, Stardust. Our truth if you want to go a little deeper. Kid or Cesaro if they want to make a singles run. The wealth of talent that 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 he'll be able to work with on the mid card will benefit both sides. Him as a performer and them as guys that are being groomed for the next level. Well, and, and as I told everybody who's who's gradually, you know, bringing themselves to possibly wanting to be wrestling fans or just be avid watchers, I said you know, this is the time to start watching it now because supposedly, you know, as we know, after WrestleMania is when we do the whole reset. So this is where you'll be able to catch up, get a feeling of what the wrestlers are, what's happening and what's going on. And like you said, for Raw, it was actually the great launching pad in which everybody needed to watch. Well, the the good thing, and I'm glad you mentioned that, is that we got to see a new addition to the tag team ranks as the Lucha Dragons made their Raw debut, and not only impressed, but stole the fucking show. I, let me tell you, I have a friend of mine who, who has the network, and by 
by all means, I don't understand how you don't use the network for the capabilities and the accessibility that they had. And he writes on a post one time, and he tells us, wow, I really need to start watching NXT. It's like, dude, really? What the, what the fuck have you been? I agree. I think that I think that the bigger the bigger issue is that people are jumping in and yes, the ascension on the main roster, total dog shit. Put them in there with NXT alumni, with guys that they worked with, you see something a little bit cleaner. Right, it also gives the 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 idea to you know, although it may not be new to us who are the fans who've been watching it for a while, but it also gives us uh, the the new uh new fresh eyes of what they will look like with the main roster and how that's gonna mesh. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, you look at what 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 you end up seeing is that and we and this happens every WrestleMania, it's like, oh, who are we bringing up? And either you bring up guys that are being groomed for failure or you bring guys that are being groomed for the next level. And they brought up the Lucha Dragons, one, because they need new tag teams, but two, Kalisto's going to sell a shit ton of merchandise. Oh, yeah, that and the fact that um, that Sincata gets actually back on the board and actually gets a, a, a double dip and extra stuff for himself as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really crazy. The... Um, you know, it was a great match. It was a great way to really get the crowd invested in not only the Lucha Dragons, but the NXT brand. Because if you saw, the, even the announce team were like, hey, you know, these NXT standouts are coming up here and, and, you know, showing us what they're made of. Like, they really went out of their way to make sure that NXT was mentioned often. I also like the fact that it, it was one of those matches that, you saw that guy step in, and it's like, if this is going to be our one shot, let's make it big. Right. So, uh, go ahead. You were going to say something? No, 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 I'm good. I'm just walking in. That's all right. No, what I was going to say is uh, Brock Lesnar came back out. Seth Rollins played smarmy douchebag heel, and um, Brock Lesnar pretty much lost his fucking mind and killed everyone. Cameraman, announce team, Michael Cole... Rest in peace, Michael Cole. Shoe. Oh, it was great. The crowd, the crowd lost their minds. But that's when I said to myself, "That's how Brock Lesnar needs to be booked. He needs to be booked as a guy who is barely controllable, barely." Well, I know it, it, it brought us back to what exactly Brock is supposed to be. You know, it, it was it was cool to see him break. Break out of his, his his personality when you know the Suplex City chants were going off. You know he gave his little smile during that. But for him to go King Kong off the off the chain off the rails crazy was the reason why we wanted him to stay. Right, and not only that, but Paul Heyman really drove the point home when he was gonna kill Michael Cole dead. He's like Brock, Brock, no, no, Brock, no, no. He he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything, and he's just he's just losing his fucking mind. And then when when you know Stephanie McMahon's yelling to put the cameraman down, you almost wanted Brock to be like, "Oh, this cameraman, this guy right here, hold on a minute, let me let me let me do that for you," and drop the guy on his fucking dome. But it wasn't even that. The guy was so angry that 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 the only way to quell that anger was to destroy everything in its path. And you know we were joking about it here at the house, and I said. 
Brock Lesnar should just walk back there and kill like every mid Carter that's not wrestling on the on the show tonight. It was like in that moment when 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 Triple H was telling Shawn Michaels that he didn't have it and he was out there super kicking the hell out of everybody yep. that was in his way. Brock should have just F five the whole building. <laughs> Pretty much, dude. It was it was it was good. But the only thing that bothered me was you pace that, you bring out Byron Saxton to hold everything down, the whitest black guy ever. And aside from that, Byron Saxton looked fucking lost out there. It's like he was out there for three minutes, then they're like they're, they're like send Lawler out there to help this motherfucker because this guy looks like a deer in the head. He's like, uh, he's trying to do the somber voice, but he hasn't mastered it yet, so he just comes off looking phony and disingenuous. You know, actually, I can actually, actually say I, I kind of liked it because it gave you that sense of okay, honestly, he really didn't know what the fuck he was gonna do once the main fucking mics were on. But it made it kind of real, like, all right, this guy really doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But you, you know, know what? Let's keep him, let's keep him pre-recorded and not have him freaking live anymore. Yeah, but you know what? What I said, I said that would have been a great opportunity to put Renee Young in the booth. That's true. That is true. But you know, they, they they're not ready to do that yet. You know, they're already dealing with too many issues on the female point right now. Right, but but think about it. When she's in the booth on NXT, man, she's she's solid, man. Oh, she's a fan. We, you, you, you get a sense from it from from early on. She, she knows her stuff. You know, I, I, I often had seen her when I watched a lot of the, uh, the the old WWE stuff when she's there with Mean Gene Oakland. That she knows her stuff. She, she, she's, she, she's very astute, and especially her, her mic uh, presentation. She, she could, she could, she could hang in there with the best of them. That's what I'm saying. But you know, again, no disrespect to Byron Saxton. I'm sure he's good, but I'm like. Hey, you're already introducing a whole bunch of new shit. Take a gamble. Put her out there. See what happens. But when, when, when we see Jerry go out there, it's like, oh Jesus! Now, now you know it's bad. Yep. It's like it's like it's it's like Captain Captain Save a Rookie is 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 coming in to save the day. Because <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'm like oh my god, yuck. He's like. Juggling, he's juggling chainsaws with one hand. <laughs> Seriously, so you know, Damian Mizdow had his match with Stardust. Of course, Mizdow was on the verge of glory at the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, but obviously, we know that the bigger picture is him feuding with the Miz, and that's exactly what that match was. Essentially, a placeholder for the Miz to come out there and beat fucking, uh, you know, beat poor Damian Mizdow's ass. Uh, you know. To, to to be honest with you, I'm like I really want to see more of that, like that whole feeling that the, the, the animosity is really just because it's there because Miz really comes off like a real jealous douchebag. Right, it's him. Yep. I, and I want to see more of it. I really want to see him beat his ass like for another three weeks until Extreme Rules. Exactly, but that's what it is. But it's you know going back to what we said, you know, the final Raw before Mania. What did we say? We were like, all right, let's say Ms. Dow wins. What then? You know? And well, this no, that, that was the question because I had, I had even my brother-in-law, he asked me the same thing. He's like, oh, I think they should have kept them together because, you know, then it keeps them afloat. And then what happens once, once all this is over? It goes to what you're saying. Now, we could, especially if he gets over on Ms., now we can actually have him in one of the mid-card belts and give him a little push for him. 
Especially, go, let him go up against John Cena for that United States belt. Let him, you know, let him, let him find a way to keep us entertained. Absolutely. Speaking, speaking, of, speaking of entertainment, the debut of Adrian Neville, the man that gravity forgot. First of all, Curtis Axel, love him or hate him, he made Adrian Neville look like a fucking rock star out there. Yeah, for people who were waiting to see like what were what like what was he gonna do the typical Adrian Neville stuff, this guy actually pulled out stuff he hasn't done in NXT, and that short, you know, five minute match, he pulled out some stuff quick. Dude, you blinked, and it was like, yo, he just did four cartwheels, hopped on the road. Everybody was, everybody was hype, man. The entrance was good, you know, with the smoke and him, you know, him coming out of the smoke. The cape was a little eh. It kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Austin Aries, which, you know. He had that Merlin the Magician yeah. type Oz type look going on. Yeah, that was, I wasn't kind of digging the cape, but, like, the entrance, you know, the, the smoky entrance on the big stage it looked good, man. What they need probably is just some colored lights to like move around in the smoke. Oh fuck it! Just give him the fuck the cape. Give him a damn varsity jacket or a, a windbreaker jacket, and so, you know, you know, some catchy logo on the back, and let him fucking go. Yeah, man. Because when he went out there with 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 Curtis Axel, I was like, dude, this is what Adrian Neville needed. It's like good guy, bad guy, doesn't matter. Awesome guy. <laughs> yeah, I've already heard, I've already heard from the key for he's talking about. We, we might see Neville as our next Money in the Bank winner. I, I, dude, I would not be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked because you know what the thing is. Even though he is a quote unquote little guy, which we know Vince doesn't like, he's not a little fucking skinny guy either. <laughs> No, this guy looks like a, uh, a mini pit bull who's ready to go in here and tear it up. It's like, and he he looks stiff, man. He knows he he knows he knows how to go with that strong style if he has to. And I think there's a lot of guys in in the main roster that that needs to start getting ready for that because that's the new come up. Yep. Speaking speaking of working strong style, John Cena defended his U.S. title against Dean Ambrose in a fucking solid match, man. Holy shit. Was it not a fun, like, a fun match to watch? It actually looked like two guys who went out there, they didn't even talk about it in the back. It was like, you know what, fuck it. We're just going to go out there and do this and just, you know, just make it happen. And it looked real clean. Kudos to Cena. Yep. Not only kudos to Cena, but I like the, uh, the handshake and the frustration on Ambrose. Like, if Ambrose came out next week and tried to have another match and lost and hit Cena with a chair... I'd expect nothing less, you know. Yeah, because you know that it's his storytelling is without a doubt unnecessary for creative to even talk to him about it. Right. You know, Ambrose goes out there; he already knows what the fuck he's gonna do. Yeah, like, guys, you know, give me give me a bullet and I'm out. Well, you saw he shook his hand begrudgingly. He's kind of talking to himself, muttering, kind of mad. Imagine if, you know, Cena's in the back next week. He's like, you know, I almost had you. And Cena's like, yo, we could do it again. And he'll be like, all right. And they go out there and they do it. And Cena gets him whatever, some maybe with a roll up out of nowhere. And Ambrose just loses his fucking mind. You you could have a nice little program between those two for a couple of months. Easy. Now, the question is, what's the payoff for that? I mean, 
you know, we, we are we already know we can't have Cena with this United States belt for too long. So, I mean, what is going to be the next payoff for this or after this one? Well, that depends because you see, Cena with the belt now opens up. It's like I said with Daniel Bryan, the an era of legitimacy plus a, a way for John Cena to work with guys that you just can't work with in the main roster. Yeah, you might work with them if they're part of a faction, but John Cena is not having a match with Dolph Ziggler every week, you know? Once in a while, maybe a tournament, but having a match with Dolph Ziggler, hell, you could have a match between him and Daniel Bryan, a champion versus champions match, and nobody would bat an eyelash. Yeah, the the, the thing that, that, you know, I can, I could see how Daniel Bryan takes the IC belt and makes it legitimate because you can tell with him, his personality, the way he is as a wrestler and the connection makes him fast that he makes that, that belt important to him. Right. With Cena, I just really don't think that he really would care about the United States, but like he should have made, like, I know he had the whole angle with Rusev. That's where the, the, you know, the passion was at or whatever, but he should have made it like, you know, this is my first belt. Like this, this is the coming home belt. Like, this belt means so much to me. Like, yep. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he really connects with that belt. Yeah, because he could have gone back. He could have said, yeah, you know, I remember having the street fight with Eddie Guerrero on SmackDown for this belt. I remember earning my stripes with this belt. It's true. I agree. There's, you know, acknowledging the history and the story of John Cena with that belt would speak volumes in terms of the long-term potential. But I will say this. You know there's going to be a return match with Rusev. You know that's going to happen. But like, I, there's also the wealth of, of challengers from, from the outside. The, you know, the Dean Ambrose, the Ryback, you know, it, Curtis Axel, even if you want to go there, you know? Yeah, I, I, it, it opens up the floor to a lot of different angles where it goes to with, with you know, making, making those Nick Carter seem as though that they're going to be, you know, Hot commodities, but like I said, when it comes to Cena and that belt, it just you could you could tell he's like itching to say, okay, I'm about to let this go. Can I get my 16, you know, my 16 title right now? Yeah, well, you know, it's inevitable that he will break Ric Flair's record. I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything less. I always swore it was going to be Triple H that was going to break it, but it would only be fitting that Cena broke it. You know. Well, as as, as the uh, the mini. Uh, movie that they have on YouTube, wrestling is a wrestling. It was pretty genuine to see what um, Triple H's standing is with that belt and how it rolls. But for for the face to be, you know, giving, you know, passing the torch as the champions, Cena has to be the legitimate one to get that one. No yep. one else seems to be the one that's going to be coming close to it. Yep. So I wanted to switch gears to the uh, the Divas match once again. The Divas stepping their game up. But the crowd was on them like white on rice. They had to actually lower the volume of the crowd because, uh, you know, Pete, when Nikki Bella was in the ring, it was like Cena sucks, and then people were saying Nikki sucks Cena. Well, that's good, though. You got you got strong to the crowd, strong change to the crowd. For exactly. That one. <laughs> exactly. But that's what it was like. Like it broke down into some like it's like when AJ was in there with CM Punk, and then you know AJ sucks CM Punk like. Like they had to lower the. That's why the crowd volume got super low. <laughs> <laughs> it 
was almost non-existent. They were they were wrestling in an empty gym. Dude, it was crazy. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, what happened to the crowd? And then uh, as soon as uh, other reports started coming out, I'm like, well, that explains it. Yeah, you know, and, and mind you, like I said, our fandom to be douches at times, but you know, they have to start really letting these divas, like, let the divas rip it, man, because. You know, can you imagine that if they were doing stuff like the knockouts are doing at TNA, if they were doing that in WWE, the freaking they wouldn't even give the the the, the crowd a chance to even utter you know right. chance that like that. It's true because the crowd would be in awe of what's going on on the screen. I mean, dude, we saw a knockouts ladder match. Yeah, I mean, you know, even 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 the the, the matches they're having in NXT. I mean, these girls are like they—they—they they, they, they get the full backing of the crowd right out the gate. I well, was watching a, a throwaway match with Bailey the other day, and the crowd was into it as soon as the bell rang. Well, you know what was funny? I um before you came on, I was saying that uh, if you have an Xbox One and I believe a PS4, they give you the one month trial of Sling TV. So I actually I actually took the trial because you get a L the L Ray network. So I got to watch Lucha Underground live. <laughs> And I got to see um I got to see Ivelisse Velez who used to wrestle in WWE as Sofia Cortez and was released due to her quote unquote attitude. But I just feel it's just her being a typical Puerto Rican chick, but that's a separate issue. Um, yo, she yo, she went out there and wrestled a dude on more than one occasion and it was ridiculous. Oh yeah, she's been known to tear that uh, tear, tear it up in the indies like that. She's like she's even she's more recognized for for, for wrestling dudes than anybody else. I, I've seen her, her work in WWC out in Puerto Rico and all that. She 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 was she was she was trooper out there, you know. And from what is known, it was good, but not that really couldn't handle her. But in any case, um, yeah, we, we we need to start seeing more quality matches like that in, in WWE because they're gonna really bury these divas if they don't let them go. Well, I saw on NXT they were promoting that Dana that Dana Brooke, the uh, the fitness model, kind of jacked. That and and I looked at her and I said, "We've been here before." Jack Chick, Beth Phoenix, booked solid for two months, then treated like shit until she left. Caitlyn, Caitlyn jacked to the gills, started off good, went south, and she left. What? Because this chick is a Triple H pet project. She's she's gonna fare better. That remains to be seen. I'm 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 gonna call it now. I don't even think she gets out of NXT. I really don't. Nope. The I don't think so. Wouldn't even turn me on. I don't think so. I think if anything out of NXT right now, uh, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Alexa Bliss, just because she looks the part. I actually thought that Monday would have been that day that they got Charlotte up. Yep. I know they really, they're riding really high on her. And it's not even because of her being um, Flair's daughter. I mean, like, she's progressed faster in NXT. Yep. The freaking Bellas did their whole time in WWE. That's, that, you beat me to the punch because I was going to say that. In NXT, she's become the truth in a very, very short amount of time. And as well with Sasha Banks, Sasha has, you know, she's already has all the components. I think they're just finding, like, that right angle for her to get in once they bring her in because they want to have that bratty, 
type angle, but they already have the bellas for that. So I think they'll probably like want to bring like someone like a, a lay cool again that way, right? Because those girls are prime and ready. They're ready. Well, I did. I did want to talk about. Um, you know, we went from that, which was a solid match, to Rusev killing Gold Dust, which we knew was going to happen. Uh, just to reestablish that. Um, that he's a badass dude. Again, after the after the awesome tank entrance on Sunday, the the dude can do no wrong. After he did that diving headbutt and the and the Kevin Steen style cannonball, I got no problems with that dude right now, none whatsoever. <laughs> They're gonna make it seem like you're gonna forget that he lost. Like, yep. You know, what belt? Like what freaking belt? I remember when Goldberg had his whole streak, and everybody's like, "The man has been un- is undefeated." I'm like. No, he hasn't. He lost early on when he first started WCW. Shut That's up. right. But they're gonna try to make you forget that. Absolutely. So the um the main event, Randy Orton, Ryback, and of course it was gonna be Roman Reigns against Rollins and, you know, Dumb and Dumber, fucking Kane and Big Show. The crowd, of course, was chanting same old shit. Roman Reigns continue to get continues to get booed out of the building, which um, talking to a couple of people off air, I said Roman Reigns is Rocky Maivia 2K15. Oh yeah, please! <laughs> that is in the making. I told you he needs to get off that that the the, the dress attire. Yep, get, get off of it. It, it. it needs to stop. He has not. It's like you know the Keith and other people have said before. He has not gotten the memo yet. The shield is over. Yep, Seth has moved on. Dean has moved on. You can too. It's like, yo, stop coming out dressed like a member of the SWAT team. <laughs> at this point, at this point, you'd you'd be better served coming out dressed like a Spartan. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm thinking like he's coming out, you know, he, he has the attire, and it's like, oh no, new look for uh, Battlefield Hardline. There we go. That's the outfit now. That's it. It's like, yo, why does Roman Reigns look like downloadable content for Battlefield Hardline? <laughs> why why is it that if you buy the fifty dollar DLC you get special edition Roman Reigns? It's it's you and it and it was funny because you know you play you look at WWE Immortals and you got like nine hundred different versions of Roman Reigns, you know and Exactly. I was like, do I really need all that Roman? I mean serious. He has yep. a Roman helmet. We get it. His name is Roman. Yep. I mean get the really I, I gotta admit though, Snake Snake Randy Orton though. <laughs> <laughs> Snake Randy Orton is kind of cool. If he came out with half his paint with little half his face painted with scales, I could I could accept that. Listen, everybody in my household came to WrestleMania gave him kudos for the elbow pads. That yep. was a nice touch for Randy. Yep, I tell you this much: the crowd hated Kane in the Big Show, chanting same old shit, just giving him no love. No, I loved it when when Randy and um and Seth were in the ring together, and you hear them and you were awesome. Like it's uh, they 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 had like perfect timing for their chance. Well, you know it was funny. You knew that Kane was you know uh, Kane was eating the somebody was eating a finisher that wasn't Rollins. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Anybody, anybody but Rollins. That's it. Anybody but Rollins. Who is the next contestant? And it's like not Rollins. <laughs> I the only thing was is like you know I, I thought we were gonna get the payoff of the big you know closing of Royal, 
and you know we didn't get that this time around. You know we thought it was probably magically. I would have loved to see like miracle booking. I would have loved to see Shane O'Mac come through that through, through the back. yeah like just just for no reason <laughs> just to see it come out and everybody like what the fuck is Shane doing here? Well, you know what's funny that you could you could use that Brock keep Brock Lesnar off of TV do, for his suspension. And Brock allegedly is being kept off TV till SummerSlam. Believe that if you will. But it would be cool if, like, the month before SummerSlam, you know, it's like, oh, Brock Lesnar's been reinstated. And Stephanie McMahon gets, like, a package. Like, how's this guy reinstated? I didn't reinstate him. Triple H is like, I didn't reinstate him. And then just fucking Shane O'Mac comes out and goes, I reinstated him. Here comes the money! Oh, dude, people go, people would go crazy for that. You know... And, you know, I'm already hearing, you know, people go, really? He's going to be out to SummerSlam? That's bullshit. And I'm looking at him going, do you realize how close SummerSlam is? Yep. If you would told me, like, one rumble, I'd have been like, oh, you know what, that's bullshit. But SummerSlam will be in a blink of an eye. And by, like, June, July, once that theme music hits, everybody's going to shit their pants again. Yeah, but uh, you got to also look at this, too. Brock Lesnar, again, what are you going to do? Have that dude wrestle Monday nights? And, and 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 squash Damian Sandow or, or or the big show or Kane for the eighty fifth thousand time. Like people don't understand. Like you gotta keep this guy somewhat like an attraction. And honestly, this is exactly what they should do with Cena. I mean, seriously. As much shit they give him, people with the, you know, John Cena sucks and all that shit, if you Give him the time off and let him go away. When he comes back, he gets one of the biggest pops when he comes once he's away for a while. Absolutely. He gets huge pops. So Absolutely. we need to do that with him more often. Well, you know, I, I wanted to switch gears because we know that Brock Lesnar killed Michael Cole dead. So <laughs> they said that um, Michael Cole suffered a possible cervical fraction. So a lot of, you know, well, well-informed wrestling fans, including myself, were like, you know, they could have said anything else, especially after Pedro Aguayo died from that, which, which I wanted to share with you guys. The Associated Press actually reported on the autopsy for Pedro Aguayo, and it said that he died almost immediately from his injuries. According to what they said, he had three fractured vertebrae and was dead by the time he reached the hospital. Yeah, and they try to revive him, like, for an hour. It's a sad freaking story. I know, but it's like the guy had, you know, three fractured vertebrae, and then you're over here saying that Michael Cole has a possible cervical fracture. It's like... Then... I know cervix, I don't think male. I, I don't know why. I, <laughs> I know. A manly, a manly injury. Yeah, because Pedro Aguayo, he had a heart attack by way of cervical stroke due to the fractured vertebrae. So it's like, yo, you could have said anything else. Like, yo, Michael Cole got his leg broken or something, you know? He pulled his dick the wrong way. Then it only tends to throw, like, these, like, dumb Easter egg, dumb fucking, you know, tidbit of, of, of information that doesn't freaking affect you know, themselves but hurts everybody else in the field. That's, the only, that's one of the things that I really hate about being creative, like creative with them. Well, you know what's, what's funny? That, um, you know, the Hall of Fame was enjoyable, albeit a little long. That show was like four hours. Um, the thing oh, yeah. that, what are you talking about? I think freaking 
I think um, Rakishi lost weight during that damn fucking <laughs> during that Hall of Fame. Well, you know yeah. what's well, you know what's funny. Um, I I wanted to bring this to your attention just to see what you thought, and anyone in the chat can can contribute to this as well. Chris Jericho wrote wrote a, a status on Facebook about people saying what during the Hall of Fame ceremony. So you know whatever he was probably he was right in the right, but somebody chimed in and was like, yeah, well if you keep the Hall of Fame for industry only. And you don't spend an hour talking about some kid that died from cancer. I'm like, wow. Oh, what? <laughs> Dude, it's on Chris Jericho's Facebook. And it blew my <laughs> mind. It blew my mind because on one side, maybe it's true. Maybe the Hall of Fame should just be industry and not open to the public. But on the other side, money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen. I was sitting there, I was being a dick while watching the Hall of Fame, and I'm sitting there going, you know, how disrespectful is this? You know, you got the you got the, the, the floor people, they're all in tuxedos and stuff, and you got everybody else around, they're wearing freaking wrestling t-shirts and freaking white beaters. How disrespectful, I'm going in, if I'm able to go to the Hall of Fame, I'm wearing a full-blown tuxedo on the end of the upper deck. That's <laughs> People it. People are just going to look at me like, what are you doing here? Dude, you go to the concession stand, they'll be like, oh, who are you here with? Uh, Roman Reigns? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then you know, whoever's on the podium, name dropping the name. Uh, I want to thank Mark Gaston for helping me in my wrestling career. I'm gonna just stand up and wave and make people think that it's me. Yeah, dude, but it was crazy because the thing that got me was obviously, you know, the speeches were long. Whatever. What I what bothered me is the fact that the you know Daniel Bryan cut a, a, an amazing, amazing speech. You know, he said, "Wow, you know." Like he really broke the the quote unquote fourth wall, and it was well, mind you, and mind you, before you get to mind you, Daniel hates that. Yep, and for him to do that is very special. Yep, and and you know for people to actually complain about that, I was like, yo, the hall. The problem is that the hall of people got spoiled because you watch the Hall of Fame on USA. The shit's an hour long, and you're like, oh wow, it went by so fast. Nobody thinks, holy shit, that shit's like four hours long. Shit, I had a friend of mine and his wife, they went the year WrestleMania 29 was in New York. Right. He had the whole wrestling day. He did the Ring of Honor thing, and then right after Ring of Honor, they went right into Hall of Fame. I think he, I think he told me like an hour and a half in, his wife fell asleep. Like, we can get out of there until like two in the morning. Yep. Well, the other thing that was funny was that after that Hall of Fame induction, you know, people were upset that Macho Man didn't go last, which I, I feel I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I understand why they did it with Nash, because they wanted, like, you know, Shawn Michaels and the click to close it out, which is fine. But, you know, the funny thing was that somebody actually asked Lanny Poffo about Randy Savage messing with Stephanie McMahon. And, yeah, so he actually said that the rumor is not true. And he said that the reason it got started was because a reporter had asked Triple H when he was heavyweight champion at the time what he thought of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. So Triple H said they were great, but they're dinosaurs. So Randy Savage saw, heard that and saw that interview, and he said that it was a deliberate attempt to hurt his brand. So Randy insinuated in an interview that he wanted to take Triple H, slap him in the face, take his girl, Stephanie McMahon, and drive her around the block, then give her back to him. 
So yeah, I remember reading that before, yeah. Right. So when people saw that, they were like, oh, shit. You know? So, you know, again, could be real, could just be Lanny Poffo trying to defuse. But I was, I said to myself, that weekend will not end without somebody asking about that. Well, two things before, you know, we continue with that. The, you mentioned the, 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 the obnoxious comment about the Connor, you know, the destroyer. You know, people tend to not realize what was the true message behind that. Right. Fine, Connor was inducted to KCB. But the message was that the most part was the ultimate warrior and his meaning for this right. award and what it was. Because you notice, the most part, though, you know, what took up most of it was about warrior. It was about him. Right. You know, Brian came out, he had his minutes about Connor and the father came. And, but the most part, it was about the message of what the warrior wanted. Yep. And for a person to write that douchebag type of shit, it is ridiculous. Dude, if you, if, if you, if you wander to Chris Jericho's Facebook page, obviously you got to go all the way back to Mania to that week and you read it. Dude, people are like, yo, what the fuck, man? And listen, I understand. Should it be industry only? Sure, why not? But one doesn't have to do with the other because, again, WWE has become a very, very uh, public, a very public facing brand when it comes to special interests and not for nothing. It's like as a as a quasi parent and you as a parent, dude, I give more credit to that kid's father to be able to go out there and kind of have to relive that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that's. And for the most part, a lot of, you know, and I don't, I, I really generally don't want to think that it's all like the most of our wrestling fucking kingdom that does it, but, you know, we got some jaded fucking fans out there who yep. really need a fucking reality check. It's true. And then secondly, about the whole thing about Macho Man and, you know, where he went, I thought it was a disrespect that that man went me in, 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 the, in the middle of it all. Like, to close with Nash, it was like, really, to be honest, I mean, I, I could debate with anybody about the whole legacy that Nash has. You know? Right. To be honest, I think I could have went another five years without having Nash in the Hall of Fame. True. I know countless of dudes that should have been in front of him. Um, Dude, all I got to say is Rick Rude, what? who Nash name dropped. Yeah, thank you. Rick Rude. You know, these, these, are, these are guys that, who's like, and this is, and this is another, this is a gentleman. Nash is a guy who sat there and Bashed the fucking industry for years. Oh, Benoit and Guerrero being champions for little guys like that. Like, you know, come on, you know, how, how are they going to put make money? How are they going to bring money to the to, to the business? Right. When honestly, when he was champion in '95, WCW was cool. They're about to take you guys over. Yep. The so thing I don't, I don't know, but it, the thing it, is, Hall of Fame. The thing is with Nash's legacy, I always look at it like this. Nash approached wrestling, and Shawn Michaels said it, like a business. And that's that's something that kind of changed the way that wrestling was looked at. Because more and more wrestlers started seeing themselves at guy, as guys that punched the clock. I.e. Brock Lesnar. Yeah, because you know why? Because when he finally went, when himself and Scott Hall went to WCW... They weren't going to get the money that they were going to get from their merchandise. So they said, you know what? Give us more money. Yep. And they did it. And they got it. And they got it. That's probably the only real contribution you could put. You could give them a separate wing in the Hall of Fame for that. <laughs> this is true. That. So 
um, a lot of people were wondering why Rikishi didn't name drop Scotty Tuhati and Brian Christopher. And um, Scotty Tuhati was kind of uh, com- not complaining about it, but he acknowledged it on Twitter. And the Wrestling Observer allegedly said that there was actually a falling out between Rikishi and Too Cool because of an incident that happened at an indie show. Well, I mean, to be honest, like, that's his moment. He doesn't really care whether or not he, he acknowledges him or not. Right. I don't think that, you know, him being with Too Cool made him better or made him, you know, worse. Right. He could have still had the career he had without them, so I don't really think it made any difference. Well, I, I figured I'd put that out there. On on the uh, on a on a separate note, uh, Tommaso Ciampa from Ring of Honor is now a free agent. Oh, everybody, everybody, lock yourselves away. <laughs> if you don't know who this man is, be very wary on the indie circle and upcoming NXT roster possibilities. Yeah, seriously, dude. Like I, you know, it's almost a certainty Samoa Joe will be there this summer. I think that's one of the reasons why they cut loose C.J. Parker. One, because he sucks. Uh, two, because hey, you gotta make room. Gotta make room. <laughs> yeah, you gotta make room because uh, Joe is a big, big guy coming in. Well, and you by know, the way, if you guys don't know who Tommaso is, just let's think he will be the mini me of Cesaro, but just as strong. There you go. Um, a couple of, of stats I wanted to throw out there. WrestleMania 31 broke a fuckload of records. They um, it was watched by 1.3 million people globally on the WWE Network alone. It is considered the most watched WrestleMania in history, with pay-per-view data still on the way in. The night after WrestleMania, that episode of Raw delivered 5.4 million viewers. Damn. Here's... This is somebody laughing at himself and saying, I know what I'm doing. Exactly. Here's some other crazy numbers. This is the The Raw from this past Monday was the top rated Raw since Raw 1000 in 2012. Damn. Now, with regards to attendance, obviously WrestleMania 31 broke attendance records. 76,976 fans with fans from all 50 states and 40 countries. The previous attendance record at Levi Stadium was 70,799. And those people from the 40 different countries were the same people in a row that was turning it up. Yep. Now, here's another one. Uh, WrestleMania 31 is now the highest grossing live event in WWE history. That's why all those motherfuckers wanted to be in the Battle Royal. <laughs> listen, can you ima- listen, can you imagine if we, like, people, because, you know, I- I'm getting people now who talk about, yo, you know what, I'm going to get the network. I'm going to get the network. Like, you know, like I told you, the little by little, the, the people who are coming back, can you imagine if they didn't do like if let's say I did with you know having like a, that Super Bowl type party feel right. the numbers that they could have gotten right? Well, here's here's the thing that you know it became the highest grossing event in WWE history. It made twelve point six million dollars, which broke the previous record of twelve point three held by WrestleMania twenty nine at MetLife Stadium. I was there. I know. <laughs> so. Here, here's the funny thing. They put out some social media numbers, too. WrestleMania 31 was the most social event in WWE history. It had a record 142 worldwide Twitter trends, including 10 number one worldwide trends. 
they saw more than 60 million video views across social media. WWE trended that's on. The, that's the RKO. Got to be the RKO. <laughs> You're not kidding. WWE trended on Facebook. On Facebook, with exclusive content throughout the entire evening. Plus, based off of just Facebook, WrestleMania 31 got 165 million impressions on Facebook and 92 million impressions on Twitter. That's an increase of 62 percent and 23 percent year over year. It's insane. Let me tell you something. These numbers are astounding, especially from when people are talking about, oh, the network isn't going to make it. It's yep. floundering. You know, this is, and thus, we said it. We were probably the only website, the only block site that said, you watch what's going to happen. Yep. We kept a, a needle on the dial. We said, you watch what's going to happen. Can you imagine what's going to happen next year at oh, geez. In Dallas? And if Jerry Jones steps into that ring, <laughs> oh, dude! Well, well, here's the here's the bigger than freaking Ronda Rousey. <laughs> well, from a from a merchandise standpoint, they made three point three million dollars in merchandise. It is a twenty seven percent increase versus last year. I know someone who was trying to make uh, try to make a purchase before WrestleMania, and usually WWE is really good because we know. You know how they work. They're really good. And if you want to do next day, they will do it. They yep. were trying to get the shirt. And they said they couldn't even get anything out shipping-wise. Dude, it's it's insane. Now, for every awesome statistic about WrestleMania, there was one funky thing that happened. And that they is... down when the Divas went out. No. <laughs> Scott Steiner was banned from the Hall of Fame because he got into an altercation with Hulk Hogan's wife on an airplane. <laughs> Out of all people, this is who he gets into an altercation with. Dude, there are pictures on Twitter that they had his picture pasted throughout the venue for security to not let him in. (laughs) There's legit pictures like, yo, of the big bad booty daddy's face in, in, in the security booth. Like, be on the lookout for this individual. I'm guessing he was going for the to the Hall of Fame for a match. Would that be would that be it? You never know. I mean, it could have been that, but now it makes you wonder. Dude got into an altercation with Hogan's fucking wife. It's like, dude, any chance <laughs> of the stuff? Well, not the ex wife, not the one he can't stand. Right, but like his, <laughs> his current wife. wife. Like it wasn't even like he got into a fight with Hogan. It's like, dude, you got into a scrap with the dude's wife, uh, and people are saying that it was an ugly incident. So WWE posts security guards at all entrances. Now it makes you wonder. Real security guards or independent workers? We <laughs> <laughs> seen like Danny DeMonte or like Brian or Brian Excel. Just you, you just see a security guard. guy thrown through like a door and Steiner walk in, <laughs> cut an incoherent promo and leave. He gets on the he gets on the podium and like give me that fucking mic. <laughs> uh, dude, I couldn't even believe that. I couldn't believe the fact that there is a legit like picture of him in the security booth like people are like yo look at this shit <laughs> have you seen this man exactly do, please him taser, taser him as soon as you can shit taser him <laughs> elephant tranquilizer him as soon as you can <laughs> tasering him dude he'll laugh he at you oh you know it dude you know that he had he had a tuxedo t-shirt 
with the cross thing, with the cross tattoo on the tuxedo and the chain mail. And he had the pipe with black tape because that's the formal pipe. And for some reason, other other than for, for posterity's sake, he had Medasia with him. Why? No one knows. But she was there. Dude, I have I just want to know what caused him to get into an altercation with Hogan's wife. And here's the kicker. Where was Hogan? <laughs> Exactly. It's like, how do you get an altercation with a woman and the husband's not there? Yeah. <laughs> like, what That's happened? Fire with that. It had to be like, like seating arrangements. His like, his bulky arms was like too massive for the aisle seat, <laughs> and like he had. <laughs> Dude, like I'm wondering, like, yo, where was Hogan at? And, and it's like, yo, if Hogan was with her, it's like, yo, why didn't what? Come on, Hogan, you're not you. Uh, uh, what Scott Steiner's probably like, yo, I'll break your hip. <laughs> mm. He's sweating profusely like he always does, and he's just oily everywhere, just shouting out profanities to, oh, to the whole, like, jet blue. <laughs> oh, it's, it's ridiculous. But um, on the flip side, and we'll, we'll close out with this, uh, Access TV extended New Japan Pro Wrestling for 12 more episodes. Let me tell you, you guys, if you have access, do yourself the pleasure and watch New Japan. You really, really... Should get onto it, really. All I gotta say is, dude, Prince Devitt, aka Finn Balor, and Kazuchi Okada. Listen, we can't mention those names because <laughs> everybody's gonna think we're talking another language. That's it. Like, but no, those... it's not Prince Devitt. He's Finn Balor. That's it. But yeah, man, I'm glad. I'm glad they got it back up. The uh, the second season will premiere Friday, May 22nd at nine o'clock with a coverage of the. They're gonna do a a best of the Super Juniors tournament. That's actually a really good tournament. Like, if you guys haven't even seen it before, it's very entertaining, and you see a lot of like uh, you, you see a lot of gimmicks and a lot of um, surprises that happens during tournaments like that. There you go. So, with that said, I'm gonna just uh, give you guys this last nugget of information. It is a spoiler, so if you don't want to hear it, then you know, hit stop right now. Uh, the main event for Extreme Rules: Rollins and Orton. You are now right. We just need to know what it's for. Like, what, 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 like, what is it going to be? Like, is it going to be a ladder match? Is it going to be? We just got to find out what it's going to be. Yep. But I, I'll tell you this much: if it leads to another crazy ass RKO and Seth Rollins running for his life, because not for nothing, I I could watch Seth Rollins run away from people all day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny that we all like got on the same page. And it's like he is our new edge now. Yep. Like, he, he is. And it was it was great that Edge actually, you know, let him know, especially when it came down to the thing when he was about to get his ass curb stomped, and you know he hit him on Twitter and was like, you know, get ready, you know, you, you know, you're getting the torch kid now, get ready to run with it. Like that 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 is the significant person who should have you know passed the torch to. He just needs a bad tattooed chick to have live sex celebrations with. Hey, where's that chick whose naked pictures got leaked out? <laughs> Shit, Vince makes an angle out of anything, dude. Damn it, bring her up, damn it. But Vince, she did kind of ruin his life. I don't care. But what about those naked pictures? It's okay. He could put naked pictures out with the belt over his junk. And instead of having a crazy ex-boyfriend, we have the crazy ex-girlfriend. That's it. Fuck it. (laughs) 
Well, there you have it, ladies and gents. That is your main event for Extreme Rules. And with that, we are actually uh, wrapping up the wrestling segment and the show for this evening. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Jay? Yeah, I'm going to repost it again on the, the, the Rageworks and the MyTake page. Uh, one of my closest friends, Josie's boy, he's having an art show and it's geared to video games, video games artwork. I'll get you guys the address for it. If you're in the Brooklyn, New York area, it's, it's going to be next Friday. Uh, come on down, support art, support video games, and he's also a big fan of MyTech and RageWorks. Also, um, if there's any websites associated with it, definitely put them in there as well. No doubt. As always, Jay, thank you for the assist, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you, boys, and you already know much love for me, and you'll see me soon. All right, Thanks. brother. Peace. That was our very own Jay Santee. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Santee, P-S-W, J-A-Y-S-A-N-T-Y, P-S-W on Twitter. And plus, you can always see him on our Rageworks fan page as well, along with the rest of our staff. But as I said, that is going to bring tonight's episode of My Take Radio to a close. Next week, we will return back to a regular broadcasting schedule, uh, possibly. there We may be covering an event on Thursday, which if we do, <clears throat> we will definitely let you guys know. But in any case, you've just heard My Take Radio, episode 285, which broadcasted live Thursday, April 2nd, 2015. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest, on a future episode of My Take Radio, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. With regards to social media, My Take Radio and Rageworks are everywhere. On Twitter, at My Take Radio. For Rageworks, it's at rage underscore works. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash My Take Radio or facebook.com forward slash official Rageworks. We are also on Google Plus and Pinterest. If you're into Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram. It's RageWorks underscore Rich. With regards to archived video episodes, you can watch them on our YouTube channels, uh, My Take Radio TV for all My Take Radio related content, and official RageWorks on YouTube for all episodes of My Take Radio, reviews, trailers, and event coverage as well. Last but not least, audio archived audio episodes can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and on RageWorks.net as well. You can subscribe to the RSS and get your episodes that way. Plus, once we launch our official RageWorks newsletter, you'll be able to get episodes of My Take Radio there as well. But for the best experience, make sure to pick up the official My Take Radio app. It's $1.99, available for Android, iOS, and Windows Mobile devices all right guys i will see you guys next wednesday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific uh we may be getting an episode of buried this weekend the buried show if we do be on the lookout for that as well thank you guys for your continued support i am out of here peace I'm rich, <laughs>